invite you to take a copy of these ancient words and open to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 is our text this morning. We're going to be looking Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 to chapter 11 verse number 1. As you find that, I would like to ask that you would stand out of reverence for the Holy Word of God as it is read. We'll read Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. Let us hear the Word of God Almighty this morning. Beginning in verse number 1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of gold, excuse me, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words." The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, 
I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? From now, excuse me, for now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, You know I have come to you, but now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. As for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Oh, Father, our need for you is great. And so, Father, would you help us from this text to see just how amazing and how majestic and powerful that you are. Our Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to this realm that is clearly spoken of in your word. Now, Father, I pray that that knowledge and understanding would drive us to further dependence upon you, further obedience towards your word. Father, we pray because only you can bring it about. And so, Father, humbly pray this day that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see from your very word this day. It's in Christ's name we humbly ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. This morning we come to the last vision in the book of Daniel. Without a doubt, this is the single longest vision in the entire book of Daniel. We only read part of it. This vision encompasses chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12. They all form a single unit. So there are a lot of verses here to cover in this detailed vision. In many ways, this Last vision is similar to the vision in chapter 9 that we've looked at in two parts. You have Daniel praying to God because of a burden. God sends a messenger to Daniel in response to his prayer, and then that messenger or that angel delivers a vision or a word to Daniel. The interesting thing about chapter 10 is that chapter 10 is the introduction to that. Just glance down in your Bibles for just a moment. The, the whole of chapter 10 is the introduction to this vision that comes in chapter 11 and then in chapter 12. 
So the sermon today is just going to cover the introduction to this single vision from 10, 11, and 12. And next time, Pastor Adam will get to the content of what the angel reveals to Daniel about the future. Obviously, God is wanting to teach us something through this introduction section. God could have wrote here through the Holy Spirit, an angel appeared to Daniel and he was distraught and undone and the angel said to Daniel, chapter 11, and off we go. Chapter 10 is sort of like the prayer in chapter 9 in this respect. You remember the prayer that Daniel prayed that we looked at in chapter 9, the prayer of confession of their sins. Instead of it just saying that Daniel prayed, it spelled out that prayer for us. It recorded for us that marvelous prayer. Why? To teach us how we are to pray to learn how Scripture should guide our prayer. So today, the same thing is happening in this introduction. It is meant to teach us something. My hope is that after looking at this chapter, you are more amazed at the God we worship. My hope is that you are a little freaked out in a good biblical way, parentheses, and that those two things combine to make you depend on God more and live in obedience to him more. All right? So that's, that's my hope for this chapter. I think that's why these things are record, recorded here for us, is to help us see how amazing the God we worship is to open our eyes to this realm that is spoken of here to cause us to depend upon our God more, i.e. pray more, and to live in obedience to him. This chapter is going to pull back the curtain for us on a a realm that we probably don't think too often about, but it is reality nonetheless. We need to realize that fact this morning and draw closer to God because of it. There are going to be four points this morning that will hopefully help guide us through this chapter today. The first thing we're going to see is Daniel's burden in the first three verses, and then we're going to look at the vision of this angel or of this man that comes. Then we're going to look at his reaction to that vision and then interaction that he has with this angel towards the end of this chapter. So let's begin with Daniel's burden in verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 gives us the context for this amazing uh, vision Daniel would receive. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar. Do you remember that name, Belteshazzar? Do you remember who gave Daniel that name? It was King Nebuchadnezzar way back in chapter 1. We could say, as Daniel was writing these words, way back almost 70 years ago, around 605 B.C., that's when King Nebuchadnezzar, when Daniel was brought out in that deportation that brought them from the Promised Land to Babylon, that he was given this name. 
This is the only time this name is used in the second part of this book, the apocalyptic section from chapter 7 to, to chapters 12. It's being used to kind of tie us back to the beginning. Namely, that God's word stands true. Because from chapter 1, verse 21, it was said that Daniel would remain in Babylon till King Cyrus. And Daniel was in his 80s now. And it's just a reminder to us. King Nebuchadnezzar had come and gone, but Daniel was still there because God had said he would be. It's a reminder to us. God's word of promise always comes true. Big things, small things, medium things, everything, God's word of promise always comes true. It never fails. Praise God for that fact. Daniel is still there as God said he would be. And verse 1 continues here and it says the word was true. That is the word that was going to be spoken and it was a great conflict, and boy, we're going to see it's going to be a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of this vision. We'll see that as these chapters progress, that Daniel was able to draw understanding from them. Look now with me at verse 2. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Daniel obviously had a burden here. As the text says there, he was mourning, mourning for three whole weeks. He was greatly troubled. He was greatly concerned. And we wonder when we're reading this, well, what, what is it that has Daniel sent into this time of mourning? And I think the chapter gives us some clues to what he was mourning over. First of all, just verse number one tells us that it was the third year of Cyrus's reign. And when Cyrus began to rule in Persia, it was the first year of his reign that he gave out an edict for the Jews to return to the promised land and to rebuild the temple and the city. So for three years, God's people had been moving back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. At this time, God had raised up Ezra in Jerusalem to bring about the work there. So at this time of writing of Daniel, Ezra, God has been raising up and Nehemiah to come, raising up there in Jerusalem to carry on the work in that city. But we know from the first chapters of Ezra, if you go back and read those chapters, that the work was slow and the work was rife with opposition. The returned exiles first built the altar and morning and evening sacrifices were offered. But it took two more years for the foundation of the temple to even be laid. The foundation, not the walls. Ezra tells us that the old priest and the Levites who had seen Solomon's temple actually wept when they saw the foundation of this temple because it couldn't compare to the former. You'll recall that some non-Jews sought to discourage the people of God from the work of rebuilding. They made threats. They sought to bring about sanctions for the work. They bribed local officials. I see there's nothing new under the sun. 
And they tried to stop them from their working to work on this temple and to raise it and to build the walls. These event, events are uh, described in particular in Ezra chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. And news of this definitely would have gotten back to Babylon, as it were, would have gotten back to Daniel. The work on the temple had ceased. All they had done, they put together an altar and they were offering sacrifices upon it. It was slow. Opposition was great against it. In, in verse 14 of chapter 10 here, we see that the angel came to Daniel to tell Daniel, quote, what is to happen to your people? Why is he wanting to know? Because he's concerned. He's mourning over the work of God that had stalled in bringing about the promises and bringing his people back to Jerusalem. They weren't coming about as Daniel was seeing them. From chapter 9's revelation, he knew that God was going to be at work and make these things happen. But it was seemingly stalled. And Daniel was mourning. He was so affected by God's work among his people that he went on a partial fast of sorts. Chapter 3, he says, I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for full four, or excuse me, three full weeks. Oil, just think of that like lotion to him in such a dry and an arid place that someone would keep oil upon them. So Daniel physically is looking here. He's probably walking around flaky and just walking around burnt. He doesn't have any oil or lotion. He's not full physically. He's not eating the portions that he could be eating, no wine, no meat for three weeks. Just as a parenthesis and aside here real quick, this helps us understand Daniel's abstinence from these things way back in chapter one as not so much being an unclean food thing as so much a non-assimilation thing to the Babylonian culture that we saw back weeks ago. For here we see it was this custom uh, at this age and at this place to partake of those things. So he was physically affected. A spiritual problem shone forth affecting him spiritually. Doesn't this help us see what type of man Daniel was? He loved and cared for the things of God so much that when he didn't see them coming about, he was affected physically from it just convicted this week thinking about that. Do we take the things of God so seriously? Like that? Are, are we con so concerned with the kingdom of God? As Christians, we must desire to see God's work accomplished and for us to desire to see that, to pray for that, to be affected when we don't see that happening. Desire to see believers made mature in Christ. A desire for us to be strong doctrinally, not tossed around like waves and carried back and forth by false teaching. To care for those who are struggling. To seek after those who are wandering astray as believers we have much to take seriously and much to pray for. 
the work that God is doing and building the church and advancing his kingdom for us to take those things so seriously that it affects us when it seems like they're not coming about. For us to pray to that end. And I just encourage you in that. I just encourage you to be in prayer, not in prayer for our church, for the things of our church. Be, be in prayer just in this season as we're considering a, a, a permanent facility and what that may or may not look like. Be in prayer for that. Be concerned for that, asking God for God to bring about his will, ultimately for the furtherment of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this place. For us to desire for that to happen, for us to grow, for people to be saved, for the name of Jesus Christ to be glorified and honored and held in esteem. Well, that was Daniel's burden that he had. He saw God's people struggling and it drove him to prayer. It's within this context that we see, secondly, Daniel's vision that he had. So he's there for three weeks, giving himself over to prayer as a sort of fasting. I, I don't know who else was with him, but they went out. They seemingly withdrew from the city. They were affected by this. They said, I want, we want to get away and we want to pray. We want to pray to God. And so they went to the Tigris, this area. And all of a sudden, as they're there, as they're praying, he looked up and saw this man hovering in the sky above the river. Look at verse number four again. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. By the way, this was Passover season. Celebration of the Feast of Booth. This, this was a time of rejoicing in Daniel's mourning. Verse number five, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, which is a yellow gemstone. So we see this color of light. His face was like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. What a sight. This heavenly messenger displayed the holiness of God, the majesty of God, strength that comes from God. Purity, holiness, raw power, judgment, a man of war, a warrior. Verse 11 here tells us that this man was sent. And so I take this to be a heavenly being, an angel from the throne room of God. Some people see this as referring to a pre-incarnate Christ. Some people see this as Gabriel. I'm just the, where I come on that, I think it's here, an angel of sorts, obviously a very powerful angel that is coming down to appear to Daniel. But just bottom line here, this guy is no precious moments doll coming, okay? Daniel sees this one from God in the presence of God, and he is undone. A messenger. Just consider for a minute, this is a messenger from God. God is more majestic than this. This majestic being is just a reflection of God's greatness and glory. 
And all of a sudden, this man, this angel, is as it were hovering over this river. Look at what the text says in verse 7, Daniel's reaction. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. We, we could say that all of Daniel's friends here, they ran for the hills. They scurried off like rats. They didn't see the figure, but they ran away at the mere trembling of this being, and they ran for cover. Daniel alone was there to see the vision and to see the angel. We see here Daniel's color change, his, his appearance, his color went away from him, his strength left him. Verse number eight, he alone saw it, no strength. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained absolutely no strength was in him. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. The sound was like a multitude of people. Forgive this analogy for a moment, but you've heard crowds at ballparks or maybe a sporting event. Maybe tens of thousands of people cheering or singing all of that sound that, that you can just kind of hear in your ears coming of a crowd of people all coming from one single person. At the sound of it, Daniel fell flat on his face, nose in the dirt, flat on his face. His physical, he was done. He turned into jello, as it were, and just fell down, and he was undone. It was like he was in a deep sleep. You see, when in the Bible, when you have people that have an interaction with God or an angel of God, you, you never kind of see this kind of warm fuzzy that the people have that we just kind of think of it today of to get, get beside God and an angel comes to me and an angel appeared to me in this. You just don't see that in God's word. I'm afraid that's because we kind of think of God too small and not so powerful. But we see in scripture someone sent from God or an appearance of God himself, people fall down on the ground. They fear, they tremble, because that is what our God deserves. He is pure and majestic. I wish that through the eyes of faith, we could be just as amazed as Daniel was on the banks of the Tigris. The God of the Bible deserves our awe-inspired worship. Just consider who it is that we worship and be amazed at our God. He indeed is worthy of our worship and praise. He indeed is holy, holy, holy. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before him. Daniel saw this figure. And his reaction was one of awe and worship 
and fear all wrapped into one. This leads us here to his interaction with this angel that is there. There are kind of three sorts of progressions here with his interaction that we see through this, kind of verse 10 to 14 and then 15 to 17 then 18 down into chapter uh, 11, verse number one. So we kind of see these three progressions that we take place. And it's really not till the third that Daniel's actually able to find himself standing and speaking, right? It takes that long for us to get there. So again, as we look at this, why record these things? Why put these things down in God's word? I just submit to you here that it's to show us the power and the might and the glory of the God that we worship. It's to show us so we're going to see God's compassion towards his people in the midst of this. So in verse number 10, we see here, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So what's the response of this figure that comes to Daniel? Just picture it. Daniel's on the dirt on the banks of this great river. And here comes this majestic figure and touches him on the shoulder. What a picture of care and compassion from our God. This messenger comes close to him to comfort him, to assure him, to strengthen him. Daniel, as it were, at this point, all he's able to do is pick himself up on his hands and knees. So he's making progress, right? He's getting up. So he's on his hands and knees. Notice here that Daniel's trembling, physically trembling there on the ground. Why is he trembling? Hopefully that's an obvious answer. Look at verse number 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand these words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up, trembling. Once again, this repeated theme of Daniel as a greatly loved person. Daniel's able to be greatly loved only because of who he is in Christ. Because of his faith in the promise of God to save him and his obedience to the God that he is worship, that he worships. Daniel's referred to as a man here that is greatly loved by God, for Daniel indeed greatly loved his God. He stands up, he's still trembling. We get to verse number 12. He said to me, this is what most... Uh, angels say, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I've come to your, because of your words. Daniel's humble dependence on God in prayer we see once again. Daniel saw the distress of his people and he wanted to understand what was going on and so he prayed. He was dependent upon God to move and to act. Over and over in this book, we see the truth that dependence upon God being actualized through prayer. Prayer is, shows a dependence upon God. Lack of prayer shows a dependence upon ourselves. Just let that one sit on you for a moment. Prayer shows a dependence upon God in our life. A lack of it shows a dependence upon ourselves. God answers Daniel here. The messengers come with a message because of your words. That is because of Daniel's prayer. Daniel is praying and God hears and God moves and answers. 
Here comes the excuse, as it was, for the delay from this messenger in verse 13 and 14. And here, here, here's where the, the, the curtain kind of gets pulled back for us. Firstly, it says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is it to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. This angel, angelic being had been doing battle battle against the prince of the kingdom of Persia. This evil spirit or angel had opposed him, literally stood opposite him. It was a picture of a battle, a picture of a spiritual battle. And the angel conveys to Daniel that this is why it had taken him three weeks to come. So Daniel had been praying for three weeks, and it seems this angel was going to come at first when Daniel began praying, but he was delayed or hindered by this opposing demon or spirit or angel. More on this in just a moment. Daniel hears this information and understandably is still there shaking in his proverbial boots or his sandals. Then comes this other interaction in verse 15 to 17. And here we see that Daniel simply could not speak. He could not talk. He was mute. And so the angel comes and touches his lips. And he was able to speak. And all that he was able to say is, I'm not able to speak. How can I speak with you? I don't have any strength. I don't have any breath left in me. And this leads us here to this third interaction with him in verse 18 down to the end of the chapter. Daniel's ready to receive the message from the angel. He was again touched by the angel. He is told here, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. See, God comforted Daniel in his weakness through this angel. Daniel's not to have a fear that paralyzes him. He's to have peace that can only come through God and the strength and courage that knowing God provides. I'm blown away by the care and love that God shows Daniel through this angel. Three times he comes to give him comfort, a hand of touch, touching on the lips, to speak, God's tender care and compassion for his people, his people that seek him. Jesus showed the same compassion in the New Testament toward those who come, came to him, did he not? And now through the Holy Spirit, God also comforts us in our affliction, in our time of need. God is an all-powerful God and he's also an all-powerful, compassionate God. The angel tells Daniel to fear not. Why does he say that? Well, obviously, because he is fearing, and so he tells him to fear not. More so than that, he tells him not to fear because they're on the same side. They're on the same team, as it were. Have peace. Be strong and of good courage. We can only have those things through Jesus Christ. We can only have courage because of what Christ has done for us, not because of what we have done for Christ. We can only have peace 
through the one that has come to give us peace, namely the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Because the truth of the matter is, is that here we can just speak anachronistically. If, if Daniel were not a Christian here, there would be no offering of peace to you from this angel. Because the Bible is very clear that we are enemies of God. What has made us enemies of God? Our sin. That we have fallen short of the glory and majesty and greatness of God. You know exactly what this is like in your life. If you're a believer, you especially know exactly what this is like, that you not having peace with God and trusting in Jesus Christ and having peace with God. That is the message of the gospel, that God has sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins and to take our punishment. Him living in obedience for us who lived in disobedience. And the free gift of grace that comes to us in Jesus Christ to receive the forgiveness of sins and to have peace with God. I encourage you here today, if you do not have peace with God, if you do not have your sins forgiven, to hear here that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, that Jesus Christ is sent as a Savior to forgive you of your sin. And if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, based upon the Word of God, these types of beings are going to be against you in the future. The Bible speaks very clearly. There is a day of judgment coming. Either Christ is going to return and bring it about or you're going to die. And, and guess what? Both those things are going to happen. And what's your plea going to be before God? When Jesus comes and is going to be even more majestic than this being coming we likewise will be falling on our face, trusting and asking mercy through Jesus Christ. Daniel asks the angel to speak, for he's ready now to receive what the angel has to say. In verse 20, that angel asks a rhetorical question, do you know why I have come? I assume it was rhetorical. It was either rhetorical or he asked it and he didn't give him time to answer and just kept on going. The answer is the angel has come to tell Daniel of the future about what the book of truth holds and what will happen to God's people. And he's going to do that in chapters 11 and 12, but look at how the messenger finishes up this section in verse number 20 there, chapter 10. It says, then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will turn to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece shall come, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. As, and as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. I take him there to be Michael, that this angel is standing up to confirm and to strengthen Michael. Back at that same time period when the decree went out from Cyrus or Darius here to the exiles to return to Jerusalem. The angel gives Daniel a glimpse into this reality that lies beyond what we see. Again, the curtain pulled back. Here in these few verses, 
Daniel's given a glimpse into a cosmic battle that is taking place. Verse 13 and verse 20. The setbacks that were happening in Jerusalem while Daniel was praying were real and they were cosmic. It was more than just mere humans opposing another conquered nation from rebuilding their temple. Behind the earthly fight, there was a heavenly fight taking place that had bearing on the outcome. We see identified in this chapter the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece. These figures refer to demons or to fallen angels, evil angels, a spiritual being that is influencing the affairs of Persia against God's people. That's what's described here. An evil spiritual being influencing the affairs of Persia, sinful Persia, against God's people. Quite frankly, this is a reality that we as modern-day Americans seem to discount altogether or just simply not believe in or choose not to think about it. The reality of spirits and demons. But that doesn't mean that that is not real and you can't help but if you read your Bible to see that. It truly is the reality behind reality. There's a spiritual realm that we do not see with our physical eyes, okay? And there's a real battle taking place there. There is a real realm today, currently, right now taking place that we can't see with our eyes. That's the good godly freaked out part, right? That we're supposed to see that and realize that and kind of open our eyes to that because it might be we just discount that altogether or not think about it, but we need to realize this and we need to see that it is there. Think of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the king of, of Syria had Elisha and his prophets cornered and outnumbered you remember Elisha? He's sitting there with one of the other prophets beside him, and it says in 2 Kings 16, 16, do not be afraid, this is Elisha speaking to him, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Imagine the scene there. This guy is sitting there. He's, he's shaking right again in his boots. He sees these people coming against him. And Elisha, the man of God, the prophet, he's just sitting there confident because he's seeing something. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Help him to see these things. Daniel gets this same sort of glimpse. The spiritual warfare going on in the heaven, heavenlies having an effect on the earth. A battle in Persia that the angel was hung up by for three weeks and Michael going to help him. The reality of an upcoming battle with the prince of Greece that was going to come 200 years in the future from writing of this. That's the king of Alexander the Great, by the way of coming in this time period. So we see here from Scripture that more was taking place than just a man conquering. In the New Testament, Paul states in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, quote, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan 
hindered us. In Revelation 12, we see Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon as war broke out in the heavens. Paul is very clear in Ephesians chapter 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see that opposed there, that same thought and concept, against, opposed, us, opposed to them. What are we to do with all of these truths from Daniel chapter 10? Of the reality of this unseen battle that is taking place. Well, some want to use the small truth that we've revealed to us here to build a whole theology, theology of spiritual mapping of territorial spirits and how we need to pray against these spirits and to fight them in that realm. But I hope you can see that we're not instructed to do that in Scripture. In Ephesians 5, in speaking about this reality of the spiritual battle, what's the commands in that chapter? Excuse me, Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord. Stand against the schemes of the devil. Withstand it. Stand firm. In 1 Peter, we see the same concept after learning that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What's our response? Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. So we're not instructed to somehow focus on the demon or this realm, but rather focus on God and live in obedience to him. Remain strong in our faith. Pierce the darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember entering a town overseas, driving up in a little Jeep and then getting out and walking around in the first time in this town, and it just felt dark. Never had that kind of sense before. I, I, it sensed like to me that I could just cut it with a knife. So what's our response? Well, there's a battle taking place that we don't see. God's word doesn't tell us these truths to paralyze us or to cause us to focus solely on it. These truths are there that we know the reality of what's going on and for us to depend on God, to depend on him in prayer. God uses the means of prayer to bring about his will and to win battles that take place on the earth. Pray, depend on God, take the things of God seriously, come to him for strength. We can go into places like this because we engage the darkness with the light of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel that gives life. That's our response to this. Maybe you'll find yourself this week, much as I have this week of just catching myself, gazing up into the sky. Seeing a lightning bolt crack down on this earth. Pardon the inaccuracy or from the earth up, however it works, but it looks like it's coming down. And to see that bright light, to just think of such 
an angelic being, to see fire in the yellow of it and to think of these piercing eyes, as it were, of this man. See how majestic God is. To see that, yes, we need to realize this fact. There is this reality taking place that we physically can't see with our eyes. And for that to cause us to depend on God more. Pray more. Who is sufficient for these things but God alone? To trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. Even just real applicable, just right now we're going to sing and to sing together. And I pray that these truths even affect our worship, our desire to come to worship, realizing just what God is doing in the battle that is taking place in this earth. Let us acknowledge what God has saved us from. What hope, brothers and sisters, do we have apart from Jesus Christ? He's all we have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the hope of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us from this chapter, that you would cause us, Lord, to have a greater sense of awe and majesty of who you are, of your character. Father, help that to translate into dependence upon you actualized in prayer. Help us, Father, in our battle against sin to seek to live in obedience to you. Through